0: I had always been the type of person, that's like, I can outwork any diet and I can, I'm a machine. I can just, as long as I have the right mindset, I'll be able to go without sleep and I'll be able to just manage my stress levels. I, that's for other people to worry about.
1: Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today we're taking things back to a very popular episode from our archives. I'm talking to Josh Clemente, founder and president of Levels, a company producing wearable tech so users can track blood glucose in real time to maximize diet and exercise results. Josh has an interesting career. He's a veteran of both SpaceX and Hyperloop One, and his background is in designing life support systems for the next generation of space exploration. Yeah, that's a mouthful and it's pretty darn impressive. In today's episode, we discuss how that work inspired Josh to found levels, why metabolic responses can vary so dramatically from one person to the next, even with the same food, and what this means for actionable insights into strength and performance. Now let's get on with the show. Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. The question that I want to ask you, and it's the first time I've ever been able to ask anyone in the world this question. How do you go from rocket science to glucose monitoring? Maybe give us a little background <laughs> as to as to how you got from point A to point B. There. Well, uh, David, thanks for having me on the show. First of all, and and
0: to to your question, um, it's a very good one. But uh, really, it was just through personal experimentation and uh, a lifelong interest in uh, or a curiosity about things I don't already know, and so uh, that kind of led me into how machines work. Uh, Throughout childhood and just kind of tooling around in the garage trying to stay out of, uh, you know, out of chores. And so I I became fascinated with machines and mechanisms and that led to a a mechanical engineering degree, uh, a job at SpaceX, uh, eventually leading the pressurized life support system team working on the astronaut program. So uh, SpaceX recently flew. Uh, four astronauts to the International Space Station just earlier this year, uh, w- the, the first launch of that Crew Dragon vehicle. And what, what I was able to work on was the pressurized breathing apparatus. And so the, the systems that feed oxygen and purified air into the cabin, into the spacesuits, uh, clean contaminants out, uh, extinguish fires. So that program was kind of the, the last big push in my six years there at SpaceX. And during that time, uh, I actually reached a point where I had to Come to grips with the fact that i was burning out mentally and physically i i had hit a hit a sort of wall it felt like where i could not continue to perform at the the level that i expected of myself day to day and it it felt very strange because i thought i was doing everything right to set myself up to be a high performer and this was like you know throughout my career also being, you know, on the side, a a fitness freak and a CrossFit Level Two trainer, somebody who pushes hard in the gym, assumes that uh, if I'm if I'm doing all the things, you know, sticking to my workout re- regimen and uh, have low body fat, can run fast, lift heavy weights, then I'm healthy. And so having that juxtaposed with the reality of my day to day, which was no energy, uh, low mood, uh, just kind of dragging myself through the day and not performing to the degree that I want. It led me to start deciding, okay, I've got to do something about this. I need, I need better information about what choices I should be making because clearly the ones I am making are not enough. And so that, that kind of caused a a little bit of side research to happen. And this was like just experimenting with like, okay, okay, fuel systems, you know, where does our energy come from? And that's, of course, metabolism, which is how our, our bodies, every cell in our bodies produce energy from our food and environment. And the number one molecule for energy in the, in the modern human is glucose. So I was like, okay, I'll start pricking my finger and measuring glucose. And that was, uh, that was kind of how it started. Didn't, didn't lead very far. Eventually I read about this new technology called continuous glucose monitoring and I tried to get one, was turned down by my doctor because I wasn't diabetic. And when I did eventually get one, I found out that, uh, after about two weeks of data, I was either borderline or full blown pre diabetic. And, and that was kind of the last straw where I realized, okay, this is crazy. I had no idea, no indication, don't have any out, outward appearance that, that would cause me to think that something was going wrong. But, uh, all of my underlying sort of manifestation of this metabolic dysfunction was my quality of life, my day to day experience. And, and so I, uh, yeah, started from there
1: on the levels journey. It's fascinating to me that the fitness industry has been And I'm preaching to the choir here, but this is a setup for a question. I promise. Fascinating to me, the fitness industry has been obsessed with cracking the wearables code for so long. I mean, going back decades, we heard about with the advent of smartwatches, with devices that measure things like HRV and blood pressure. we, We hear about wearables and it's oftentimes focused on the physical signs of, of output or energy expenditure as measured by like work output, work capacity. Um, You know, pedometers being kind of the base level of that. They've since gotten much more advanced, but wearables in the fitness industry haven't really focused on the chemical interactions in our body or at least measuring that. So everything's kind of been measuring the output, but the fuel going in, we haven't measured that. Why do you think that the industry has been so slow to adopt or to introduce fitness wearables that do focus on chemical aspects of performance?
0: Really great question. Um, we're referring to this new kind of future era that we're, I, I think, a part of right now as the bio wearables. So this is this is stepping from the kind of the superficial factors that you can measure yourself—the pedometer, the the, the pulse—to uh, actually measuring molecules in our biology. And I think part of the reason, well, there's twofold reasons. One is that Historically, this has been very hard to do. So there's a specific reason that the continuous glucose monitor is is what it is today, and that's for the management of diabetes. It was originally a lab technology, but because people who have diabetes have an acute need to know their blood sugar, it... it uh, Basically, it made the business case for companies to develop convenient technology that can be worn full time and can stream wireless data to your phone to tell you what your glucose is. And the rationale there was for people with type one and type two diabetes to be on top of, uh, you know, their medications as necessary. But the beauty of it is that everyone who is alive has a metabolism. And the factors that lead to metabolic breakdown, specifically type 2 diabetes, but even prior to that, the metabolic dysfunction I was experiencing, energy issues, crashes, hypoglyce- reactive hypoglycemia, uh, weight gain, you know, mood dysfunction, all of these things are actually energetic at the, at the foundational level. And so that same technology can now be reapplied to the, the sort of pre-diagnostic space. And so I think it's like, The factors had to come together. Microelectronics revolution had to happen. Affordability had to happen. There had to be resources needed to be allocated to this to make the technology possible. And then when that happened, you know, when, when those resources were applied, it was in the medical device field, which is, you know, it's heavily regulated. It, it takes a, a lot of money and a lot of time and determination to get a new device to market. And so it's just, it's not the ideal space for, a consumer product. It it just the factors aren't quite there. And so that's what we're dealing with right now is like reallocating this this firmly therapeutic device into the world of of wellness and and fitness. And I I think it's going to be, you know, kind of the bow wave we're going to break open this new space and it's going to it's going to really transform over the next few years. We'll see mo- many more molecules being measured.
1: One one thing I can tell Immediately talking to you for just a few minutes is that you like trying difficult things, whether it's personally and being very quantified about your own health and wellness or trying to crack into a or break into a a very difficult space. It's something we've talked about on the podcast before. And I will say you're actually not the first former rocket scientist we've talked about. Uh We've talked to you on this podcast. We had Brandon Heavey who worked at uh, the jet propulsion lab uh, on the podcast. Over well over a year ago. So there's there's a trend there. People <laughs> yeah. who like breaking these things down and asking big questions in the fitness space. I do want to talk a little bit more about your personal journey. As you were first experimenting with glucose monitoring yourself, and um you found out that you were actually experiencing some signs of pre-diabetes. Obviously, this is not a medical advice podcast, but I'm curious what changes that might have triggered in your own approach to wellness training and nutrition. Mm. Yeah. Great question. By the way, Brandon Hevy I
0: was just on on his show, uh, Strength and Scotch, and and so he's a great guy. We're we're uh, kind of following the same circles. So very that's cool. a
1: that's a fun. If you haven't listened to it, if you listen to the Barban podcast, but you don't listen to Strength and Scotch, do yourself a favor. They're like us, but more fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, TBD. Um, yeah, great guys. So you know,
0: as it relates to to my own experience, and, and this is what was so fascinating is that um, we traditionally look at metabolic health as binary. It's like you're healthy, and then something happens to you, and you're not healthy anymore. And most people ask that question: is like, when when you're talking about metabolism, am I metabolically healthy? And what we're what we're needing to do is reframe this entire conversation. It's it's not binary. We all live on a spectrum of metabolic function, and that's called metabolic fitness, right? The the same way we go into the gym and we train our strength through focus, effort, and repetition. That applies to all of the lifestyle choices we're making throughout the day, which build into a hormonal environment, a chemical environment our bodies that determine whether or not we're functioning properly and so for me throughout my life i've just been focusing on the physical fitness piece just been focusing on strength and conditioning uh putting up i had weight, always been the type of person that's like i can like outwork any diet for health and, and i can a, you know, i'm a machine i can just sure. as long but as i have the right letters, mindset and i'll and be able to go without sleep and i'll be able to just manage my stress levels I, that's for other and people to worry about Paid enough attention there. I had always been the type of person, like, I can out Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the I'm smartest seen. athletes, just coaches, coaches as as and minds from around mindset, the world of strength. I'll be able to go I'm your sleep, host, I'll be able David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is people presented people by barbend.com. And the realization that I had with CGM extended well beyond the foods I was eating to the environment I was building for myself. Today,
1: I'm talking to Josh Clemente, that, uh, founder and president of Levels, a company producing wearable tech so users can track blood glucose in real time. From, let's from, let's to maximize say, diet and exercise light. results. Jumping off it's a relatively work, new company, at, at but after a, a day, $12 million fundraising round, like that, they're already in say, use by top pro sweet, athletes and are even making waves elevated, in the strength sports level, community. In a, in a danger, Josh like, is a veteran of both SpaceX and Hyperloop, and Hyperloop One, and his background is eight, in designing life support systems for the next generation of space exploration. In today's episode, we discuss how that work inspired Josh to found levels, why metabolic responses can vary so differently from one person. To the next, down, even with the same food, sleep, and what this means from from for actionable bed. insights uh, into strength and performance. I do want to take a second to say quality quality we're incredibly thankful being that being you listen to this podcast. Well, so totally if you haven't already, it, it be really sure to leave me. a rating the and review is, of the Barbell Podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it.
0: You know, and I have had. A stressful meeting where without eating anything, I'm sitting there, my blood sugar has gone into a pre-diabetic state, a post-meal pre-diabetic zone, just by the basically the cortisol that is flooding my system and creating a fight or flight scenario. So uh, cortisol, it's, it's a hormone that falls into the glucocorticoid territory. So basically, it tells the liver, uh, you're in danger, you need to produce a ton of energy to escape this. And so y- your liver starts flooding your system with blood sugar. And what's fascinating about that is that in, in the gym, this is exceptional because it's going to give you all the fuel you need for your muscles to, uh, to function properly and, and get that workout done. But when you're sitting at a desk and, and stressing out about emails or stressing out about that, that complex project you're working on day after day, this is creating hormonal mayhem. And this is what was happening to me is I was just working a crazy stressful environment and not sleeping well. And those were the factors that were dominating my, my life. Um, add into that just, The, the fact that I was guiding my nutrition based on the internet and based on friends at the gym, you know, just whatever was working for them, I was doing that. And it was not at all nuanced. It wasn't, it wasn't formulated for me. I was eating hundreds of grams of carbohydrates thinking I needed to replenish glycogen or carb load for a workout. And I was just causing these huge blood sugar elevations and then dealing with the hormonal consequences, uh, um, thereafter. And so seeing all this stuff in real time from my body in front of my face. It led to uh, embracing mindfulness, breathing techniques, stress management, sleep hygiene, seven to nine hours of sleep at, at all costs, and then uh, kind of de-emphasizing workouts specifically in favor of uh, sort of a balanced recovery and workout you know, scheme. And then, of course, nutrition changes, which I'm going to any, get into.
1: Are, yeah, yeah. I'm curious about on the nutritional side, um, you know, obviously... Uh, there are a lot of buzzwords people have heard on this podcast before. And if you're a barbend reader as well, um, you know, we've, we've covered some of that and it, it can be tough to keep up on the science and it can be very difficult from a content producer's perspective to separate science from fad. Just because a lot of people are interested in something or a particular dietary trend does not mean there's evidence to necessarily support it. The two do not necessarily go hand in hand and the internet has exacerbated that in a big way. I'm curious what your personal, and again, this is just kind of your personal thing. It will not, as you mentioned, this is not carte blanche for everyone to say this, this will work the same way for every person. You know, what is your, kind of your current ter- current dietary framework? Are you incorporating fasting, anything like that? How would you describe it? Yes. So um,
0: my approach is to, to try to optimize metabolic flexibility. And so this is Essentially, the way the way the body works is you you put molecules in, chemicals in, and then chemicals respond to it depending on which ones you just consumed, right? So in this case, the difference between how your body metabolizes fat, protein, and glucose is pretty dramatic. So you eat a bunch of carbohydrates. In order for your body to get those into the cells to be used as energy, it has to release insulin, and insulin tells the cells to open up and let the glucose out of the bloodstream into the into the power plant, the mitochondria. And um the the issue there is that insulin. If you are creating a a massive blood sugar elevation, you have to release a large amount of insulin to compensate for it. And over time, there's this phenomenon called insulin resistance, which sets in, which is essentially the cells stop responding to the insulin hormone. And this is important because it it is it is essentially the underlying factor that determines how you specifically should be setting up your macronutrient balance. If you're creating an environment where you're constantly spiking glucose and constantly spiking insulin without depleting those stores or using them for, for, uh, you know, Immediate expenditure, uh, you can create this insulin resistant environment, which is the beginning of metabolic dysfunction and breakdown. And so, over time, I I think that's that's what I had been doing. I had been doing a lot of carb uh, loading. So before every workout, or even the night before, I would ensure I got in a few hundred grams of of complex carbohydrates. You know, I wouldn't wasn't eating Pop Tarts or, or anything, but you know, it was like brown rice, it was sweet potatoes, it was making sure that I was fully fully loaded up. And then, you know, even just before my workout. Uh, you know, I'd be, I'd have to drive 25 minutes or whatever to the gym. And so my, I would have a smoothie and that would be a banana. It would be bran flakes, uh, protein powder. I'd throw some spinach in there to make myself feel good. And, uh, and, and <laughs> I thought, you know, fi- this a little is... bit of fiber and iron. In <laughs> yeah, there, right? exactly. It's green. Um, and, and so that would be my, my pre-workout fuel. And I, I was going to do typically a CrossFit workout. So this would be a high intensity wad. And what was fascinating was as soon as I got real-time blood sugar data, I saw that that smoothie was causing uh my blood sugar would go into the diabetic range. So most people should not exceed 140 after a meal, except rarely. Mine would be going well into the 180s and above. And that spike would then come plummeting back down. I'm sitting in the car. I'm not using that energy. I'm on my way to the gym. It would then come plummeting back down within about 45 minutes or an hour. And just as I'm, I'm sort of mid-set, My blood sugar is reaching a reactive hypoglycemic low. I'm feeling shaky. I'm feeling cold sweat. I'm, I'm blaming it on my workout. But in the reality, the reality of the situation was I was causing myself to ride this roller coaster and I was not optimizing my energy. And seeing that caused me to go to a very sort of Different macronutrient balance for my, my pre-workout, which would be uh, essentially almond butter. It would be, um, some, sometimes I'll mix in some bran flakes or something high in fiber and, uh, some, you know, make sure I'm getting fats and proteins. And so I have a much more slow burn. There's, there's a product called UCAN, which is a, a sort of slow release carbohydrate, which I'll often sometimes use. And, and so I just completely removing like the very high, fast acting carbohydrates, which I was getting from the banana and, uh, and those bran flakes and replacing it with something that's more balanced. And in some cases, even removing the meal altogether and going with a fasted exercise. And so the rationale for the fast exercise is what I touched on in the beginning, which is training my body to tap into available energy stores uh, that are not necessarily coming from my food. And in this case, that would be body fat. So uh, the concept of metabolic flexibility, I'm sure it's been talked about a lot, but it's uh, it's essentially ensuring that your body is hormonally set up to switch between fuel sources effortlessly. And a lot of us are basically can, we're dependent on a life support drip of food in order to keep running. And you take that away for, for a, one meal time and you're feeling shaky. You're feeling like you need to go pass out. And so with, with, uh, Essentially setting up a training regimen where you are depleting your glycogen reserves and forcing your body to switch over onto your fat reserves, you can start to balance out that hormonal env- environment and uh, predispose yourself to more easily tap into that energy. And uh, it's really interesting there. Are, you know, if you just look at the, the raw numbers, most people, you know, an average sized person has the ability to store about 2,000, 2,500 grams or 2,500 calories of glucose as glycogen um but that same person will typically have and this is like 10 to 15% body fat they'll have about 80,000 calories of fat stored on their bodies and so you know there's plenty of energy there the concept that we're going to run out of energy and you know sort of pass out or die is just completely nonsense it's just training yourself to to, to be able to add, to right. tap into it and so that's what what i'm focusing on
1: so yeah, what kind of fasting protocol are are do you seems to work for you? And again, I I love giving disclaimers. They call me the disclaimer king at Barben. Mm. This isn't necessarily <laughs> ideal for everyone, but you know, for for, for Josh What, what might your fasting regimen look like? And how do you incorporate that around training? Cause I really like how you're kind of showing this through the lens of training, which is something that everyone listening to this podcast or a lot of people, I should say, listening to this podcast are always curious about. They're like, cool. But how do that, how does that apply to your training schedule? Yes. Um, so what I'm, what I'm doing right now is I I will typically
0: not eat until around noon, uh, noon, noon, to one o'clock. And the goal here is I'll, I'll shut down before about seven or 8 PM. I'll, I'll try to be done eating and that will give me a, a solid, you know, greater than 12 hours, um, before I start a workout. And so in the morning, you know, if I'm getting up 12 hours after my last meal, my glycogen is, is pretty well depleted at that point. It's typically, you know, it's going to take 18 to 24 hours for most people to be totally cleared out. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly like not fully stocked up. And that's when I'll do kind of an endurance training session or lightweight kettlebells or something like that. Um, if I'm going to be pushing really intensely in the gym, I do—I certainly do not need to eat, and, and I'll, I'll get into that. But if I'm doing a longer sort of endurance ride, two two hours or a, or a long run or something like that, I, I will probably bring along some fuel because it, you know the reality of the fact of, of the matter is. I I will bonk. You know, I will, I still do not have that like amazing metabolic flexibility where I can just seamlessly transition. I'm still training that, but I'll be prepared with um, you know, with a little sports drink or something along the way. Now, um one one of the other guys on our team, it's pretty amazing. He he's doing marathons completely fasted where he'll do an 18-hour fast and then he'll start a 26-mile run and has been able to do so with perfectly flat blood sugar and with no no exogenous cal- calories. And that's a demonstration of the of the fact that this can be trained. So, um now, going back to the high intensity stuff, because the I, I mentioned how cortisol affects the the liver and it tells your liver to crank out glucose. And so that, that kind of cortisol impact happens for me at around 85 to 90% of my maximum heart rate. So if I'm sustaining high intensity for more than five, 10 minutes, I'm going to see a huge blood sugar elevation. And that's my liver kicking in and, and producing all of this extra energy. And, and that happens regardless of fasted state. So I can be, uh, you know, I've done 24 hour plus fast and done a high intensity workout. And it certainly doesn't feel great initially but once that kicks in, I've got all the energy I need. I do not feel like I'm going to crash. Um, and so that's kind of how I'm approaching it. I like to go until noon, one o'clock. I, I typically, you know, my mornings are are sacred to me anyway. So not having to, to do a whole meal preparation and cleanup is great. It like unlocks an extra hour of my day. <laughs> and uh yeah, and then, you know, I'm biasing towards, and I love to get into the personal aspect of this, but... Uh, right now, I've just from all I've learned about how I function metabolically, I, I'm biasing towards a high protein, moderate fat, and low carb lifestyle. And so, I, I certainly am not ketogenic. I, I prioritize protein above all else, and um, you know, I, I tend to be just extremely, un- unfortunately, sensitive to to most carbohydrates. And um, due to some some personal choices around like what I'd like to achieve for for longevity and personal health, I, I'm choosing to bias away from from carbs generally.
1: It makes a lot of sense. And I, and I like how, I mean, this is true for any early stage technology or at least a new framing or a new way in, a, in adapting it. I mean, you and your team, you're kind of the guinea pigs in many ways. You're still, you're still in beta. I believe is that correct at levels? Yep. That's right. And, and so, I mean, the best acolytes and the, the best test cases and the most data you all can really Get it's, it's from the people working on the product, so it's really neat to talk to someone in that stage. You don't get to do that every day, especially in health and wellness, because so many things are just rehashes of things that have already been done in health and wellness. There's nothing new. We like to say there's nothing new in strength training. It was all done in the '70s and '80s, and people just republish it under a different program name. <laughs> is kind of is kind of what we what we like to joke about. What are some of the Early responses, if you've had them, regarding the product and the impact it can have, specifically on strength athletes. Mm. Yeah, it's
0: as you touch on. This is like it's such a nascent space. It's brand new, and uh, you know we're we're learning a huge amount literally weekly. And um, you know one of the one of the Things I wanted to just quickly loop back on is the personalization component here. Um, continuous glucose monitoring, like as I, you know, I touched on this the beginning, but it's a very new technology. Just in the last five years, it's become readily available for people with diabetes. And, you know, levels is one of the first to get it to the general population. And, and the interesting thing is in 2015, a study was published, uh, in the cell journal of, uh, biology covering, this personalized nutrition component. And essentially, these researchers put 800 people through a, a, a one-week experience where they wore continuous glucose monitors, and they ate uh, essentially standardized foods. And they showed that two people can eat the exact same two foods and have equal and opposite blood sugar responses. And, and so in this case, it was a banana and a cookie made with wheat flour. And so two people, two of these subjects, one would have a huge blood sugar spike from the banana and no response to the cookie. And the other person had the opposite responses. And it's probably something like fruit sugar versus grain sugar or something along that, those lines. And, and then they're, they're, you know, genealogy, their genetics, their microbiome, their stress environment, body composition, all of these factors come to play to determine how they respond to it. But the point is that they are going to experience an equivalently different hormone response. So their insulin re- response is going to be different, uh, how they gain weight as a result of that, how energized they'll feel as a result of that. So that's kind of like that study really flipped the table over on the one size fits all approach. It's like, okay, there's a, profound amount of difference between people. And a follow-on study actually showed that even identical twins who share a hundred percent of their DNA have the same degree of variability available. So it's not even entirely genetics. And, uh, and so that's kind of the, this, the circumstances we're operating under. And so what levels is doing is saying, you know, we aren't embracing some dietary philosophy here. What we want is for you, no matter who you are, where, where you are, what your goals are to be able to ground your day-to-day choices in, objective data coming from your body. So you, rather than you focusing on what the population average does or what somebody on the internet says to do, have, have real data from yourself that you can then use to iterate towards something that works best. And, and that, that's apparent on the team as well. You know, my co-founder, Casey Means, she's a, a vegan, plant-based, 100%. Um, I, I'm not. And several of us have (laughs) different, uh, approaches, but we all are striving and using daily this data. And, um, and so anyway, that's the, that's the, foundation that we're building on. And given that historically these devices have been used to study diabetic populations ex- exclusively, um, with the exception of those recent studies I just touched on, this is an unstudied area. And, you know, continuous glucose monitoring, continuous molecular monitoring for fitness and strength training has just not been done yet. And, and so, you know, we have some, some athletes right now across all professional sports in, in CrossFit and UFC in, uh, in in all of the pro leagues using this as a very early sort of exposure to how their bodies are actually functioning and starting to ground their nutrition training in it. But you know we we're a little too early for conclusions just now. You know one of the big things people are noticing is is what I touched on myself, which is uh, a lot of the time the pre workout and the post workout that they're using are just not working well for them, and so they're starting to see, huh, you know <laughs> this this whole like. Shake smoothie thing I'm doing before hitting the gym. I actually feel way better and don't in based on my blood sugar availability, like maybe do not need it at all and can instead like deliver the nutrients, um, for recovery in a much slower burn, you know, fashion. Whereas, you know, and, and then contrary to that, some people have triple headers where they're working, you know, they're, they're doing back to back to back performance and they need to have tons of energy available. They're depleting glycogen all day and they, they can see, you know, basically delivering fuel. Uh, just in time is is made possible by seeing the data happening as you know, sort of,
1: in the moment. You're going to have a lot of bro scientists really upset <laughs> if you debunk the the strongly held metabolic window theories. The I've, I've seen so many great memes, by the way, slightly, just slightly off topic about. Uh, what happens when you violate the 30 minute metabolic window? I I first heard that from a sports coach back when I was playing team sports. And it's just something that's just like, it's so sticky. It's so, it's stuck around. Um, so get ready for that, that corner. No doubt. No doubt. If they haven't already. (laughs) Oh, it's,
0: it's going to happen. And you know, it's, it's funny because I'm totally open to, um, well, what, what we're trying to do is, is not just kind of Call these things into question, but then follow up with what the actual science is. You know, what is optimal? What does it look like to have optimal blood sugar control for a specific set of goals and, and a certain body composition? And that I think we, we genuinely can crack this. And the 30-minute window for sure doesn't apply to everyone. And, and certainly, it depends on how you respond to what you're consuming. Like, there's no question in my mind. Heresy. <laughs> <if> you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're heresy on like, this podcast. Hold me accountable, I'll die in the hill. But, um, you know, there's, there's definitely uh, more nuance to it. Than that. And so, you know, just, I'm looking forward to uncovering exactly how the, you know, the athlete and then the individual who's trying to lose hundred pounds or, or the person who's just trying to perform better, uh, you know, as a, as a new parent, you know, and and just trying to keep their wits about them as they're completely, you know, compromised on sleep and, and trying to just make their way through life without, you know, losing it. You know what I mean? And so having, being able to find an edge no, no matter what your sort of performance goals are, I think is going to become increasingly possible with real-time data in the moment. Right, being able to answer the question, "What should I eat and why?" Uh, the why oftentimes is is driven by your goals, but answering that with your own objective data
1: is is what we're striving for here. And and if 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 you piss off a few bro scientists along the way, well, <laughs> that's that's the price of moving the industry forward, right? No doubt,
0: <laughs> there, I'm sure we'll be creating a whole new uh, class of bio scientists with with this real time data too. So we're <laughs> we're gonna try and balance the scales.
1: <laughs> There's you know if I were if I were a smarter person, I could come up with a good pun like glucose bros or something like that. <laughs> but but we'll have to workshop that another time. We'll workshop maybe, that, yeah. Maybe we'll have you back on the podcast, we'll, we'll we'll spitball some ideas. Josh, where's the best place for folks to keep up to date with with the work you're doing and also with what Levels is doing?
0: So we're building a huge content platform right now with the intention of getting the latest science, not just, you know, not just from within levels, but the, the latest metabolic science out into the, the mainstream. And, uh, and then we're also, you know, producing our own content on people and their use cases that are currently going through our development project. And, uh, that's, that's the blog at levelshealth.com. Uh, on the main website, you'll also be able to sign up for our waitlist, which is, you know, we have, we have an email list and a newsletter and we distribute uh, a lot of details about the product and features and then also, uh, new developments in the space. So, um, whether or not, you know, you're interested in real-time glucose monitoring when it comes to metabolism, metabolic flexibility, and, and sort of this, this new science of real-time data, uh, it's a good place to start. And then you can follow us on social, on Twitter and
1: Instagram, both at levels. Excellent. Josh, very much pre- appreciate your time. It's, it's fascinating to chat with folks in the nascent stages of these developments because uh, the learnings that, that you have, I'm sure will be uh, groundbreaking in many ways. And, and, um, a bit unpredictable as we've as you've already alluded to so very excited to see how things develop thanks so much for joining us thank you david it was, it was great